back like one of your one of your live goals fulfilled right there. <laughs> I just wanted to do it because I saw you do it and it looked good. Oh, for real. No, just kidding with you as well. How are you doing anyway, Rach? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Is this, is this like your nerves just like playing up? Like that? I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. You're the one that's laughing. Just when I look at you, it makes me laugh. Is it? Yeah. Got a funny face, don't I? Yeah. How you doing anyway? I'm good. Yeah. I'm really good. But like really good, really good. Yeah. Yeah. You know the reason why I'm asking really good, really good? <laughs> why? Because recently the conversation has been that when you're checking up on friends, you're meant to emphasize the how they're doing part. Okay. Just in case someone is truly going through something. Right. Because if I'm going through something and you initially ask me how I'm doing, naturally we, we tend to reply being like, oh yeah, I'm good, I'm all mm. right. But there could be some like underlining tone. Yeah. So always ask, how are you doing, doing? Okay. Yeah. So if you say doing twice, then it means... Then you might, you might get something out of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. See? It's kind of like when someone says in a shop, like, hey, are you okay? And it's yeah. like... I'm not going to tell you if I'm not. Like <laughs> Especially when it's a stranger asking you. Yeah. Know? But when it's a friend, then that second, yeah, are you, how are you doing, might, necessarily, might potentially pull something out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah see? That's so very always true. double ask. So how you doing? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, how you feeling about the podcast? Um, a bit nervous. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah, can you tell? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> You're in good company. I wouldn't yeah. say I'm a pro. I mean, I'm only like I'm eight I'm not normally nervous in. when I'm sitting on this sofa with you. Yeah. Today is a different day. Today's like just completely <laughs> threw you off. It's all the lighting and the cameras and all sorts of Yeah, but it's going to be fine. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like it's going to be fine. How's your day been though? What have you been up to? Um, I've, I've been thinking about today. I've been mm. thinking about this. Yeah. I've been thinking about what I want to say and how yeah. I want to say it. Um... And yeah, just other yeah. general. But w- what's the what's the thought process been though? Because obviously, something that you do on a day to day. So before we actually mention what it is that you do on a day to day, though, like what what's the thought process been in regards to what you wanted to get out the message? Um, I've been thinking a lot about my own experiences and how I've come through things and how mm-hmm. that kind of on reflection, mm. what I would share with anyone who yeah. who would be struggling. Mm-hmm. Um. And also just thinking about how we can kind of change the way that we think about mental health and Mm. how we relate to one another and kind of emphasize the importance of how we relate to one another and and what kind of effect that has because it does have a massive effect. Most definitely. So, yeah. yeah. So you're just trying to sort of construct how you're going to deliver that in an efficient way which people will sort of take value from. Yeah. Amazing. So would you say your personal experiences is what got you into the field of the line of work that you do currently? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I, d- I think I even didn't know that until yeah. like recently, to be yeah. honest. I think I always wanted to mm. like, I wanted to be in a job where I was like taking care of people, yeah. but I didn't quite know why. And then I was really interested in mental health. And I think only in, in like the recent like couple of years have I actually fully realized and now that I actually I work with children now Mm. I've really kind of can see that um the reason I want to do that is because of the things that I've experienced but maybe I didn't actually I didn't explicitly know that before. Mm. It's something I'm just coming to realize now. So so you feel like your your life lessons have put you in a position of or has given you a certain knowledge that you're able to then like pass on to others yeah or not even yeah knowledge but also Mm. like that also like the motivation Mm. to like learn more about it and become more skilled in it and become someone that 
can help other people mm, and that's like a complete like ongoing process yeah, yeah. of yeah. like learning and yeah. but how are you finding working in the field at the moment and what what is your exact title just so that obviously the so i'm a mental health exactly nurse yeah. yeah i'm a nurse mm. so I, but i specialize in mental health yeah um and i work with children at the moment mm. at great Ormond street hospital oh, amazing what, so what age range um, but well, we accept patients from eight to fourteen, but at the moment mm. it's kind of like eleven to yeah. twelve. That's a much tough moment. age group to work yeah, with. Yeah, like it? kind of early adolescence, <laughs> yeah. like difficult yeah. at the best of times. Yeah. Let alone when there's like additional mm. kind of problems with mental health and oh, behavioural things. So yeah, yeah so it's been, it's I've only been there since September, mm. but it's it's I've really loved it and really is that hated you just it saying that, is that a political quote and like, no no i'm saying like i've really loved it and yeah. then i've really hated it and like different mm. you know it's been really really hard yeah but actually it's been amazing actually because also um like like i was, how I was trying to explain before about how maybe i didn't realize the reason that i wanted to go into that field mm. and now uh, kind of discovering it, it really kind of working mm. in that environment and doing the kind of work that we do there it really makes you have a look at yourself mm. and you to do the work you really have to then like be in touch with yourself oh, and like confront things that that come up yeah um so that's been amazing actually to mm. do but uncomfortable at times yeah. and really challenging it must be challenging yeah working yeah. with kids in in because when I think of mental health, always, I mean, I used to think that it was a thing that adults go through mm. um, based on life experiences and mm. so forth. But then trauma mm. can mm. surpass mm. any age group. So yeah. children must go through like extreme yeah. trauma yeah. at a really young age for them to develop mental health issues yeah. at the particular age that you're dealing with. So some of the issues that I'm sure you're facing must be extremely traumatic. Yeah, yeah. and definitely. And, and it's, you know, from the moment a child is born, they're like, you know, I mean, I, I guess as well, it's what definition do you have of mental health? Yeah. I guess that's another thing mm. that I was thinking of maybe talking about. Mm. Um, but yeah, like from the, m from the moment like a baby is born, everything that happens in their environment affects, mm. you know, Very how massive. we develop, you know. Yeah. And particularly in childhood, like we're really vulnerable mm. to, you know, the environment and, and mm. the effects that that can have, positive and negative. Mm. Um, maybe more vulnerable than than we really kind of realise. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, amazing. But before we get further into that, like, j just a simple answer: How do we define mental health? So, me I mean, mm. mental health mm -hmm. is the phrase "mental health" means a state of well-being mm. in in your mentality. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes people say mental health when they're talking about mental illness and okay I think and they, they're completely different not completely different yeah. it's just um it's like physical health and physical illness mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. so if you to ask me what's physical health I'd say like it's a state of physical well-being yeah um and what's physical illness well there's many different types of physical illness yeah. so it's the same okay, kind of I thing so yeah. when we say mental health it's about um Obviously, it's like about that area, um, but mental health is like a state of well-being which we are all, you know, entitled to, mm. and hopefully can achieve, where we are kind of just able to able to live life in a way that's productive, mm. um, and able to fulfil our mm -hmm. potential, and um, able to deal with 
just normal stresses and strains of daily yeah. life and actually just able to keep going and keep rolling mm. and where mental illness comes in is when you know something goes wrong in that and we're not then able to yeah to, to do those things to as well but, but what causes it though like because obviously there's various trigger points but what mm. are some of the main causes of mental health or mental illness some of the main causes wow mm. it's a difficult question because there's lots it's of it's different a tricky one isn't it it's quite yeah varied, there's a lot it? of different mm. there's a lot of different ways that you could struggle with your mental health yeah. you know we could be talking about um you know, like day-to-day anxiety, mm. or we could be talking about something really chronic, like, you know, like schizophrenia that yeah. people live with oh, for like years and years and years. And years. Yeah. yeah, it can be, mm. yeah, there are kind of, there is evidence to suggest that. Mm. Um, and But I, I guess my way of working, I work in a very kind of like psychodynamic and behavioral way. So my attention is is all, and my understanding is, is about, um, the environment that you're in mm. and how that shaped rather than you kind of being born with something um how your environment feeds into how you learn to be yeah. and how you learn to respond to things mm. and how you it's like i was saying like at the minute you're born you learn kind of two major everything you learn comes into two kind of major categories firstly you learn about what the world is mm. And secondly, you learn about who you are as yeah. part of that world. And then having to adapt into it. <laughs> yeah. And then having to adapt into yeah. it. So so naturally, like, mm. that process is, like, unbelievably complex. Mm. And we're working on it from the moment we're born until we die. Yeah. Um, so, you know, many things in that could, could affect us in mm. a negative way to the point that we struggle with mental yeah. health. It's, it's, it's such a tricky subject when thinking about mental health mental well-being because there's no manual for it to be honest so the moment a child is born into this world it's like the parents are trying their best to then adapt mm. and to take a child the best way possible but there is a major i mean especially nowadays the, the conversation of mental health seems popping up all over the place online in literature yeah. and, and so forth and it's i feel like maybe we're reaching a point now where we're trying to uh, we're trying to have the discussion on how to better cope with it or manage it mm. and and that is my thing it's like when a child is born what are the, some of the measures that we can take to protect that child's mental health being mm. separate to their, their physical or the or the nutritional well-being because those mm-hmm. things we kind of look into a bit more than the mental mm. side but the mental side is a crucial part because it could determine the, the the course of their entire life mm. so how do we go about doing this and what is the what is the general consensus on it on in the industry that you're in um, I think it's it's a lot about awareness of how, I guess it's not an easy question to answer, mm. is it? Like, it's about becoming aware of how things affect us and why they yeah. affect us. And I think <laughs> that, I almost think like as a, as a society, we're getting better at it. But I mm. think we are quite blind to why we are the way we are and how mm and how things affect us um i think we kind of we're used to like this way of life where we just go through life and we don't we're not we're not actually that in tune with ourselves and Mm. we're not that aware of you're like autopilot yeah 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 and like and i'm saying this like from a place of personal experience where my mental health has improved Mm. when i have actually established a kind of relationship with myself where I've been able to 
identify why I'm feeling how I'm feeling mm. and that's something that's kind of really actually quite difficult to do yeah. um you get into the habit of yeah. doing it but I think it's not kind of normal it, like mm. it doesn't come naturally for us to do that yeah. like I mean obviously there's like there's obvious things like I don't know like if you're um, arguing with a friend you'll feel sad like and you you know we can understand that and we know that that's yeah. the cause of our sadness but then on a on a kind of a bit of a deeper level you know things like anxiety and depression mm. we don't always know like the re the, the nature of yeah. depression is that it's an illness yeah. um there's not always like a, a plausible reason so to speak that's true because even i mean before i truly got to grips with what the word depression was sometimes i'll just feel low or i'll just feel down i'm mm. like oh i'm depressed bro like to one of my boys or whatever. yeah in actual in actuality i just felt down about a particular situation it mm. wasn't like an ongoing feeling yeah and then later on down the line in life i realized that through personal experience as well of, of, of depression i realized that it, it's more of a long-term effect Mm. And it starts having like uh, it starts it starts playing a part in your day to day life, like yeah. how you feel when you wake up on a consistent yeah. basis. Like you lack motivation, or mm. you stop doing the basic things that you used to do as part of your routine mm. in life simply because you can't be bothered no more. You're kind of giving up. Yeah. So we need to really be careful about how we go about throwing the word around because sometimes mm. we just feel down about a situation, mm. but the yeah. actual medical issue of feeling depressed is something completely different yeah but do you mind sharing your own personal journey like what is it that you went through and how did you identify it or mm. or deal with it yeah well uh, it's it's kind of strange like when i think about you know my history like mm. my history with mental illness it's kind of like a bit of a blurry thing as to where it started mm. and where it kind of ended and like has it ended and like yeah. you know um but i i mean a, a clear way to kind of put it, I was. I think I was prescribed antidepressants. I think I was sixteen, mm. or maybe I was seventeen. Um, but yeah, so sort of like late teenage years, mm. I was first prescribed anti antidepressants. I stopped taking them about six months ago. Yeah. Um, so that's like you know well, that's that of your own doing or yeah advice to yeah it was a, yeah, yeah I just decided to do it. Um for reasons that might become clear. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's about 10 years of, of, of being on treatment for clinical mm. depression. But I think that's kind of like, it's a weird thing really, because, you know, was I depressed for 10 years? No, mm. but, you know, I was in a position where, I f you know, myself, my family, my doctor felt that it was important yeah. for me to be taking antidepressants. So, you know, it's quite a complex thing. But, you know, I've had really great times in those 10 years and really awful times and the worst times have have been like so bad mm. that I've you know felt really unable to it's like you were saying you know there's a difference between yeah. feeling low about something and actually feeling like really unable mm. to actually do anything you know I've been to hospital for my mental health mm. you know I've felt so low that I just don't want to even wake up. I've never felt suicidal. I mean, I've yeah. thought about not mm. being around, but I haven't ever. I've always, you know, thought of my family and my friends that, you know, love me. And that's mm. always Which been Which is an important able. factor as all when dealing with mental health. Yeah, massive. Yeah. Massive. Because I think without that, you don't mm. have a lot. <laughs> like, sometimes you don't have a lot of, you know, when you're feeling that low. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so it's it's kind of like throughout my life, throughout the past 10 years, I've had like times where I've just resorted to being really withdrawn from life. Mm. And, you know, I've I've not gone to work or uni. Um, I've not seen anybody. Um, actually, like I was thinking about like a couple of years ago when I was living with like one of my best friends and she said to me like, oh, you're always ill. And she was saying like physically, like yeah. you're always ill. And I've realized like looking back, yeah. I just would like be in bed for days and just oh. not speak to anyone and say, oh, like I've got a headache or like, yeah. you know, whatever. Like it'd be like a physical thing, oh. but I like, you know, but it wasn't like no actual up. physical manifestation. It was just how your mind was. Yeah. And you just felt so yeah. Weird. Like yeah. I would just wake up and I just, be like, I can't get, you know, I can't yeah. get out of bed. I can't do it. And, and even just like weirdly like simple things, like just going to the shop, mm. like would just be like, I, there's no way that I can do that. Yeah. And it, but it's a bit of a vicious cycle as well, because yeah. like the more you kind of um, let that happen, like it becomes a habit as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I actually as well. I like. I remember one of my friends said to me once that because um, I was kind of telling her that that's what I'd been doing, and I and I said to her like, I don't know if it's just that I'm lazy, and she kind of said, <laughs> Yeah, I think you're just lazy, <laughs> and then I just kind of thought yeah. like. Um, like looking back, like mm. obviously, you know, she thought, you know, she wasn't being horrible. She mm. just didn't understand, and I didn't understand either. Like I was asking her, "Do you think it's lazy?" And she was yeah. like, "Yeah, I do." But you know, looking back, like, no, I'm not a lazy person. Mm. Um, you know, not a lot of people are lazy. To mm. like, you know, we don't just stay in bed as I people. I think that's the. Da- I think one of the dangers as well is that s- sometimes the symptoms are there and they're quite obvious because there hasn't been enough. So, because there hasn't been enough dialogue about it, or there hasn't been enough information and, and communication in regards to what some of the symptoms are for mental illness, like we we don't we struggle to pick it up, mm. and we kind of mix it up with day to day struggles, like mm. feeling lazy or feeling yeah. tired or yeah. feeling ill as such. So yeah. it's really important that these conversations are mm. had. That if you're feeling something internally or mm. in externally and so forth in regards to like your emotions and so forth, that it's good to go and see someone or speak yeah. to someone about it. So yeah, yeah, I think probably that's what your friend was going through. They weren't necessarily saying that you're lazy, yeah, but exactly. no one understood what it was. That he was going yeah, through, did definitely. You, so, yeah, mm. It's really important, and that's one of the, I think, one of the vital things I think we need to consider when discussing mental health is about how definitely. we can push enough information about it yeah. so people do understand what some of the triggers are. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. But in your journey, what, what was the turning point for you? Like, what made you sort of get out of bed? Like, what, what motivated um, you to either seek help or to, I don't know, uplift yourself? Um, I, I have a lot of support from my family, like, for example, I'm thinking like the times I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. Like I, I, th- you know, I've had like really long conversations with my mum for like mm. hours and hours. Like when I felt that way, and like, yeah. you know, just talking to someone. And <coughs> I'm really lucky that you know my mum can talk to me in that state, and mm. she can like get on my level and understand. She's also had her own. This is the thing as well. You know, mm. mental illness kind of almost feels like a family member, really, because yeah. you know my both my parents have had their own struggles um you know which again I think you know plays part of a role in why Mm. I've had struggles as well Mm. definitely but um but yeah so 
I think just, yeah, having conversations about it with someone that I can trust, it sometimes it takes for someone else to see that that's how you're feeling and that you can't do anything about it and then say, okay, you have to do something and, like, you know, maybe set something up so that you have to get out of bed or, like, yeah. you know, encourages you to, like, take the little steps that you need to do. Because um, when you're in it, like when you're in that state yourself, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, or, you know, so you need the external like, push in it. Yeah. yeah. Like it's so hard to kind of, it's so hard to get out of that state on mm. your own. You, cause, cause you don't have that motivation and yeah. you can't see past it at the time. Like mm. you just, it, that kind of mm. like evades you. Like you can't do that. So, so yeah, definitely like in the moment, <coughs> speaking to someone that I trust like my mum has been really helpful but like I guess a turning point in terms of like so I said like I came off antidepressants and I actually I actually felt so much better mm. like better than I'd ever been when I came off antidepressants but I think it was just me knowing that I could come off and I could yeah. make a success of it and yeah. I didn't have to like wake up every day and be like right I need this otherwise mm. I won't be able to function mm. um like I've kind of realized no I actually can function without it yeah. and um yeah I guess a massive thing has been it's like I was saying at the start where I was saying about how really we need to understand ourselves and understand why we feel how we feel. Mm -hmm. um, something that was really helpful for me was that I see a psych psychodynamic um, psychotherapist. So that has helped me to really think about how I'm feeling on a deeper level and think mm -hmm. about where does that come from. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I am so anxious and when I do want to withdraw, why is that? Because there is a reason mm. for it. This is the mm -hmm. thing. There is a reason. And I think we're so kind of sometimes used to just being like, oh, I've just got to pull it together and get on with things and then everything will be all right. That yeah. we don't we don't validate the fact that actually, you know, our psyche almost is saying to us, listen to me, like there's something happening here. Mm. And I think maybe... Maybe that was a that maybe that was the turning point for me to actually think, okay, no, wait a minute, why do I feel this way? Let me listen to it instead of just thinking I don't want to feel this way, I don't want to feel this way, I don't want to feel this mm. way. It's so horrible, I don't want to do it. Me just thinking, okay, why, why? If I find out why, and if I think about why, and you're able to then concentrate your efforts into sorting out that why, yeah. Yeah, and I guess maybe like an attitude that we might have towards mental illness might be you know you just gotta get together and like get you pull yourself yeah. together and get on with it i've got major issues with that because what, what tends to happen is sometimes when people discuss having mental illnesses and so forth people are like oh yeah just get it together like you can do it mm. and they'll give you like this little motivational talk when other times most of the time they tend to be deeper issues uh, mm. that you can't really deal with yourself and you might potentially yeah. need professional medical help um, yeah. Because I, I mean, I, I watch a lot of clips on YouTube, being part of the YouTube family now, and there's so many motivational talks that try to talk people out of mental illnesses. Yeah. 
and they can be quite problematic in one way or the other because others it might just be a slight of depression that and they just need that additional push yeah. to come out of it whilst others there might be major issues yeah. like chemical imbalances and so forth yeah and many other issues that they might need to speak mm. to a professional to help them get out of the mm-hmm. situation regarding so mm-hmm. i find those motivational videos to get you out of deep serious mental illnesses very dangerous when it's it comes to yeah. your real life yeah because um I mean, I, I, I had a friend, someone who was going through serious issues. And um, so she 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 initially, when, whenever she came, well, I, I was at fault as well during, during the majority of the time of her illness because I was one of those people that are like, oh, you can do it. You're a strong person. I mean, I've, I've seen you overcome mm. other things. And it's only when she started seeing the professional that she realized that there was something deeper aligned that was in tune with her childhood, something that she kind of brushed to the side and didn't even know it was affecting mm, her now. Yeah. But until she took the step to go see a professional, she didn't re- she wouldn't have known. Yeah. She wouldn't have known that that was what's impacting her and causing all those um issues that she's currently dealing with now, all those demons. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean I'm a, I'm an advocate of seeing a psychotherapist or a um a medical yeah. professional when it comes to the matter yeah. of mental health. Because yeah. Yeah. what you're saying, what you're referring to is like something that's actually like really invalidating for, mm. for people. And I think I think people say it like I don't think we need to like villainize it and be like mm. you know this is so wrong but we just need to understand that you know maybe we do say that sometimes maybe we do mm. but I think as a soci- as a society and like uh, you know as a culture sometimes we are very much like you know it's like stiff upper lip kind of thing yeah. isn't it like just keep going yeah. like you'll be fine yeah. kind of thing not or like yeah. yeah or even mm. sometimes like annoyance that mm. someone's like not themselves mm. and like you know what is wrong with you can you just mm. get it together mm. um you know like how invalidating that is mm. and it's not helpful it doesn't help this yeah. is the thing you know saying pull it together rarely makes someone mm. pull it together mm. so yeah, I guess my thing is the same as you. Like, I think it's just so important that we try and just understand it because it's it's valid. Like, it's mm-hmm. a real thing that's happening. If someone's yeah. experiencing, you know, something like that and, you know, if it's affecting their life, it's affecting their life. It's a real, it's a real thing. And just saying, like, pull it together isn't necessarily going to actually make that happen. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in, in relation to mental health and mental well-being, what are some of the basics we can do to sort of, like, help us out when we feel down or out? So, a big thing of mine, and I think it's, like, it's becoming quite a trendy thing as well, which mm. is nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> you becomes trendy? <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that it's becoming trendy because I think yeah. it's really important that yeah. it becomes more of a thing. But a massive thing... Um, a massive thing that's really important for me to stay well is it's like a journey that I'm having with myself. It's building mm. my own relationship with myself okay. that's really important. And I think um, it's also about connecting with other people. But I'm let me try and explain what I'm trying to say. I mean... It's always helpful to talk to other people. Like I said, I said to myself tonight that you know that's something that I found really helpful, mm. and I think it's absolutely essential that we do talk to other people. I think it's essential that we're connected mm. with one another, yeah. um, and I think it's really important to have conversations. But I also think that 
in terms of day to day looking after our own well being, I don't think we're necessarily raised kind of to think about our own needs properly. Mm. And what I mean by that is like, I mean, like, for example, like I went to Sunday school, you know, like you were raised going to church mm-hmm. as well. Like how many times have we been told love your neighbor yeah. as you love yourself yeah. or you treat other people how you wish to be treated? Mm-hmm. And I guess like we all know that we all know the rules. We all know how we should treat treat other people. But we do we know how to treat ourselves? Yeah. And also how hard is it to treat other people really well if you yourself don't feel like you're being treated well and um you know it's again like another cliche like you can't love someone until you love yourself but it's true Mm. and you can't treat people well and you can't be around people in a positive way if you yourself are missing something and I think that possibly we're raised or have been raised in a way that it it could be branded selfish to look after your own needs and to but it's actually something that's really important because we can't be selfless like yeah. if we ourselves are empty like if we haven't put anything into ourselves we have nothing to give mm. so it's use it's kind of like a useless statement to just say love thy neighbor because the first thing is love thyself. Love thyself, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of almost want to turn it on its head and instead of saying treat others how you wish to be treated, to say treat yourself how you would be expected to treat another person. Um, I think we're not... Mm. I don't think we're well-practiced at that. I don't think it's... I don't think it's been part of our upbringings, mm. you know, that strongly... And hopefully it's becoming more of a thing and, you know, we're getting more used to, like, self-care and, like, yeah. taking time for yourself and... Really reflecting on on yourself and y- your life and sort of, like, your own goals and purposes in life and before you go... So, because there's, there's an interesting book I'm reading at the moment and um, one of the common themes in the book is before stepping out into the world, always do your bed. So the first thing you, yeah, do, you I've do, seen that actually. Yeah, the first thing you do when you wake up is to do your bed. And the premise behind that is that there's no way as an individual you can go out there and make an impact in the world if you haven't laid the foundation at home first. Yeah. So if you haven't taken care of yourself. So it's yeah. not about physically laying the bed, but it's about making sure that home is good before you step out there. Because mm. if you step out there and you have a messy home, how are you expecting to then make an impact out there in the world? Yeah, you see what I mean? exactly. How do, you, how, how do you expect to then be able to point the finger and show others the way when you're you, you haven't cleaned your own household? Yeah. So it's really important, as you've mentioned, that to yeah. really take care of yourself yeah. as an individual, make sure that you're good in all the various aspects of the world because there's so many things hitting us left, right, and centre mm. in this world that we're living in at the moment. So a key thing, I- as you mentioned, is definitely taking care of yourself as an individual before you're then able to then care a mm. lot for others. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's 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 like it's a massive thing to learn how to do as well. Yeah, like it's like, how, how, how do you yeah. take care of yourself? Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. my mum always says to me, like, you know, obviously my family live up north. Mm. Um, Every time my mum says goodbye to me, she's like, take care of yourself. Like, look after yourself. Look mm. after yourself. And she says to me, like, mm. you know, give yourself what you would want me to have. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's such... It's like, it's so weird how complicated that feels and yeah. like it isn't second nature. Like it's not something mm. that we're just doing. Like we're not just considering ourselves as like a loved one. Mm. You know, it seems like 
think of the person you love most in the world, do you treat yourself the way that you would treat them? Probably mm. not. Like, probably yeah. in your head, you're, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. abusing yourself constantly mm. and, like, being like, oh, that was rubbish and, like, you need to do better or, mm. you know, whatever, or, like, nobody likes me or whatever negative thoughts yeah. that we might have. Mm. It's, like, it's so not second nature to, like, have positive, like, mm. affirming thoughts for yourself and, yeah. like a nurturing kind Most of attitude yeah. towards yourself. Yeah. I think besides the whole um, thought process and how you project energy on yourself, so some of the basics that we can do as human beings, because the way I see it, looking after myself as an individual, one of the key things that I require, first of all, is my health. So ensuring that I'm eating the right things, I'm exercising. If I'm not exercising, I'm partaking in some sort of sport that has me physically moving around because that's mm. a part of caring and loving and, yeah. and, and nurturing, nurturing myself mm. as an individual. And then also, I mean, we all know that, I mean, money doesn't necessarily make you happy, but one of the things that's been proven to make us the most happiest is family. So ensuring that you have good relationships with your family and friends and the people that you spend the most time around with. Because mm -hmm. if you don't have great relationships with them, you're constantly carrying around the burden mm -hmm. and the hate that you have for others. Yeah. So to me, being selfless and taking care of myself involves me taking care of myself physically, taking care of myself nutritionally, and also yeah. taking care of myself in terms of like the circle I have and the loved ones around me. Yeah. Ensuring that there's constant good energy being projected amongst ourselves. Because... Sometimes, like, I mean, especially now, this 21st century, we're inundated with so many things. Mm. Technology's completely clouded our minds. We're, we're always in tune with the external. Um, yeah. Whether it be, I don't know, our phones and computers and so forth, that we forget the real connections that actually make us human and yeah. make us better people and happier, in essence. So yeah. Th those are, I mean, those, that's something I'll give away, as, uh, as in, like, ways of taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I, feel I think it's essential, because sometimes we we kind of cut ourselves off from family and friends in the chase of whatever it is, whether, yeah. it, whether it be our careers or yeah. businesses and so forth. And we forget all those connections that really do matter and really do keep us mm -hmm. grounded and intact. Mm -hmm. I wonder how it's interesting that you, mm. that, I mean, I agree. Like I definitely do agree. I wonder how, I, I mean, I guess I, I always, mm. you, you're always around your family. And I've yeah. always known that. Yeah. you know like from mm. the first day i met you like i've known mm. that your family is like a massive part of your life mm. and you're always around them and i mean my family is a huge part of my life but i live mm. 350 miles away from them <laughs> yeah. so it's like yeah. you know i guess like what i'm trying to say is like connections are so so important but how like how do you how do you, you said something, I was thinking, I wonder how, oh, you said something about positive energy, about there always being positive energy, and I'm just interested to know, like, I know you were asking me questions, but, um, like, well, how do you think you maintain that? How do you think, um, where do you think that comes from? Like, uh, constant positive energy. I mean, I don't think any, I don't think anyone can be constantly positive, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like to feel, well, I'm not, you can never be 100% positive. Yeah. But. What I try and do and what really works for me is that whenever I meet someone or whenever I come across someone, it's, it might be a stranger or it might be someone I've known for years, or it might be family, whatever, anyone, absolutely anyone. Whenever I come across another human being, my first thought is always to have a positive view of that person. Mm. So I go into every interaction assuming that, assuming the best or thinking the best mm -hmm. of this individual. So before, before I've even had any interaction and maybe they've changed my mind going the other way, I've always go into things believing that this person is going to be great. Mm. This person's going to impact my life. This person's going to be happy. So there's this thought process I have is that 
if I walk up to someone, let's say I don't know you and I walk up to you on a night out and I stretch my hands out to hug you, you I'm going to have a different reaction to me coming up to you with my fist up. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And that's the way I see energy. Yeah. That's, that's the physical yeah. manifestation of how I see energy. Yeah. So I believe that if I project good and positive energy in any interaction, nine out of ten times, I'm more likely to get that back. Mm-hmm. And it's strange because I people watch. I people watch a lot. Like, I like to study people, like, intrinsically. Like, I'm, I'm forever, like, watching people. And I've realized those that carry negative energy internally and externally, yeah. they always get different results to those yeah, that ca- carry positive energy. Like, I could, I could walk into a workplace and end up, like, having a great relationship with a manager. But then when I'm sitting with one of my colleagues in the kitchen th- th- who comes into work always angry, always having negative mm-hmm. energy... They, their experience with that manager is completely different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it made me realize 100%. that it made me realize that our energy that we project is so important. Yeah. And we don't. But how do we? I'm like devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. How do we? So you are some. You like are someone in my life that I know I'm going to get that positive energy from. Mm. But I don't. There's not a lot. I don't know a lot of people like you. Yeah. Like you, everything mm. you've said like resonates from my experience mm. of you as a person. I know yeah. you're telling the truth, mm-hmm. and that's one of the really great things about mm. you. But a lot of most people are not like that. So yeah. And it's so hard, when people, yeah. so we as as humans, that why do we come in with anger? Like why do we? Mm. And how? D- like that. It, you're right. It does. It affects. Yeah it affects how we are and it affects how people respond to us and then it's like a whole cycle mm. isn't it like it that feeds yeah but like where do you get this like great strength to be um, do you know what i'm getting at i i get it. Um, the thing is is i mean it's, it's it's a tricky situation because because everyone, everyone has a different upbringing everyone has a different background yeah in terms of where they come from things that have affected them throughout life but i think one of the biggest things that I take when in relation to how I project energy is accountability. Like I'm a true believer in accountability. I feel mm. I take responsibility for everything that happens to me. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. the moment you take responsibility for everything that happens mm. to you, you're then able to then do find solutions mm-hmm. for that. And then you're able to then carry the burden yourself without projecting yeah. the burden onto others. And that is how I go about doing mm. things. So anytime I look at something like, let's say, I don't know, I slip and f- fall right now on the floor i'll be like well i shouldn't have maybe put my foot in that wrong position yeah. i won't blame anyone else i won't yeah. be like oh my god it's the builder's fault and yeah. i'm gonna be upset at the builder who, who put the flooring together yeah so i take accountability for my life and at the same time i try and surround myself with people who are similar to me mm. and my family's a great mm. example of that but i mm. didn't i didn't find them put them around me they they, they just came around me but in terms of like friends the people i communicate with the people i network with if, if I can't project my energy to them, I try and move away and find mm. other people who have that same level mm-hmm. of energy that continuously helps me carry carry on going. So, mm-hmm. f- first of all, uh, it's accountability, and that's probably my biggest thing that helps me mm-hmm. maintain that same level of energy. Mm. That I don't blame anyone else. I'm not expecting yeah. anything from anyone else. Because yeah. as they say, anger comes from expecting and then being disappointed. Yeah. So, for instance, if I'm expecting you to come uh, um, to do this podcast and you don't turn up, and I was really expecting you to come. And I was like, oh my gosh, if she doesn't turn up for this podcast, I've had it. You mm-hmm. see what I mean? Yeah. That energy would drift me somewhere else. But if, yeah. if she doesn't turn up, she doesn't turn up. If yeah. she turns up, great. Do you know yeah. what I mean? We just carry on going. Yeah. You see what I mean? So being accountable for your own life, your own actions, being responsible for what you do is 
in essence, what will maintain that happiness and, mm. and keeps you going. I, I, I think, yeah, it's mm. in, yeah, I 100% agree. Mm. I agree so much, and it's actually so interesting because for two reasons. One reason is that in the kind of work that I do at the moment, obviously I'm working with young people. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're kind of trying to, part of what we're trying to teach them and you see young people and they're really really struggling it's really hard um and you get those who struggle 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 and then realize that they can do something Mm. and they realize that they want to change and they realize that they Mm. can and then they start to do it and it's still really hard but they get places and the ones that you really feel for and really can see that it's really, you know, you don't see it getting mm. better quickly are those that are stuck in that trap that they can't see that yeah. actually what they do, they have a responsibility. Like you're saying, if you put your foot down, you slip, you know that, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't have put my foot yeah. down. Maybe you should wet. have checked your step before, yeah. <laughs> before putting your foot yeah. down. Yeah. Whereas there's yeah. an alternative mind that mm. would say, oh my God, this world is out to get me. Yeah. Nothing ever goes my way. Yeah. And it's also really interesting because I, it's in my mind in terms of like bringing it back to mental health. But mm. um, my mum is always like, she's always like that with me. Like, you know, if I'm in a situation, you know, she'll be there, she'll be empathetic mm. about it, but it will always come back to you could have done this differently or like, you know, Mm. this is why this has happened. Mm. And I've got so frustrated with her in the past and like, you know, you're just going to say it's my (laughs) fault and like, da, 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 da. da. But she says to me, no, it's liberating. Like it's Mm. liberating to say I have control over my actions and over what I do. Um, But also bringing it back to, to mental health, you know, I have had like legitimate anger and like frustration that things aren't going my way and it's 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 been really hard to actually have that state of mind yeah. where you're like okay I can and I think when you were asking me about a turning point as well like around the time that I stopped taking antidepressants um I remember having like um a conversation with my friend and and I was just like oh my god I've just realized like I could just make sure that I'm fine mm. and and I could just, you know, I could just make it that my choices, mm. the way that I be, is better for me. Like, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and creates... Yeah. But that was quite a revelation. Like, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like... It it's actually a revelation of self. That's that's, yeah. the, that's the crazy part because you 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 are the vessel. So yeah, it's almost like you come into your own realization that oh, you've got some power here. Yeah, like. but also I think you know for me to have had that realization about eighteen months ago or whatever, mm. for the first twenty six years of my life, I haven't you know I haven't been functioning that way. So why why not why not and and that I believe is has been tied into it when I've been mentally like Mm. really struggling really unwell Mm. um I think it's something about like having your needs met and again like it comes back to the thing about caring for yourself doesn't it because I think times when I've been so angry at the world and like frustrated and felt like oh my god this is so unfair like Mm. why is this happening to me when I've dug down and down and down and down you know it comes down to like your needs are not being met yeah and you know and also you know there's it goes into childhood as well and Mm -hmm. you know no parent is perfect so yeah a lot of my needs weren't met but 
it's you know and then you have anger about that but mm. actually when you get to that place where you're like oh okay so mm. i can meet my own needs that's what i need to do yeah. but w- w- let me ask you a question so when you were angry at the world as such what was it that you was angry at the world for is it your like upbringing was it your i don't know your circumstances what was it like yeah upbringing yeah things that have happened Mm. like on the whole I've I've had like a really nurturing upbringing but I've Mm. also there's I was there's also a lot of trauma Mm. like a lot of negative things happened in my home Mm. for like the first 10 15 years of my life like you know a lot of you know things that were really hard to deal with and that I shouldn't have had to deal with Mm. and yeah anger about that anger about the kind of relationship that I have with my parents Mm. and why can't they be more like this and then Mm. and then that feeds into later relationships you know like romantic relationships and relationships with friends and feeling like you know why yeah being really like why can things not work out why Mm. can things you know yeah but um so, so, so going back to when you first went on medication, you were what, six, well, how old were you? I think I was 16. 16. Yeah. Um, w- was that something that you noticed or was that in mention to your family or was it something that the family noticed and took you to... Uh, I remember, to I remember like, I remember the exact moment and my mum sat, I was laying on my mum's bed and my mum just said, I think you were depressed. Mm. And I remember my heart sank yeah. because... It was, and also it's the language as well that that's been in my house is that mm. it's been acceptable to talk about depression and things like that, which yeah. you know a lot of other families maybe it's not that open and it is you know it isn't. Yeah, that's like what I was going to touch on. Hence why I'm asking that question. Yeah, the because, language yeah. isn't there. Yeah. Um, the language in my household just was, you know, it was open. You know, I mm. knew about depression when I was a child, you know, I worried about my dad that he might kill himself mm. when I was three years old, maybe not three, but you know, I, yeah. in my mind, I've, I have those early memories. Mm-hmm. So, so my heart kind of sank. My mum said to me, like, I think you're depressed mm. and my heart sank and I was like, Oh, not me as well. Kind <laughs> of thing. That yes, was kind yeah. of the thing. Mm. And, um, and so it was quite an easy then path to, mm go to the doctors, get on the tablets that me and your dad are on anyway kind of thing. Mm. Um, And that's just, you know, the way that my family dealt with it. Maybe not all families would have dealt with it that way and maybe not all. um, That's the issue with um, mental health and cultures because, I mean, it was was easy for you to talk to your family about it Mm. because you've experienced it as a family and it's something that you've all dealt with together and, and, and come through, but... In some cultures, and in particular in 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 the in the African culture, depression or mental health isn't something that we talk mm. about much yeah. within the home. Yeah, it, it's not a conversation that's had. Um, mm. Most most children wouldn't even know if any of their parents have gone through depression, mm. even though that we're more likely mm. to go through depression than any other. And mm. it's just one of those weird things, like culturally, like how do we cross those boundaries? Because mm. I mean, my 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 family per se, we we talk about most things. So mm-hmm. if someone goes through depression or someone's going someone's down and out it's, it's a conversation that will be had but i know within a lot of cultures and in particularly especially with black men we don't really discuss mm, um, yeah mental health it's almost as a sign of weakness if you come out as saying that you have an issue yeah you feel what i mean but um 
how do we sort of cross those barriers and how do we how do we get rid of the stigma behind like these cultural bounds i think i think generally like my perception of things is that wherever there's stigma there's fear mm. and i think stigma is a way a defense mechanism against fear mm. against something that's scary um I wonder if it's something about that and I wonder if it's about thinking to get past it mm -hmm. think okay so what are we afraid of here like what is the thing that we're fearful of um well in the black community I'll say the one of the major fears is the system so how how they'll be treated by the system mm. because you hear all these various stories that when mm. you're black and you get caught up mm. in the system you're not treated the same mm -hmm. do you know what i mean and and cultural things are then seen as being are then being perceived as mental illnesses because mm. i've had family members that have worked I within the field and they yeah. say when a african person comes in per se and something simple like i don't know them cooking a traditional meal and eating with their hands it will be marked down as mm. a strange behavior. Yeah. Really and truly, it's just a cultural norm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If they go to most African households, they eat in particular foods with their hands. Yeah. And it's just how it goes. So all those all those stories that we hear about the system and and people being manhandled, especially particularly black men being manhandled, mistreated, it all creates that taboo, as you say, because mm. where does the stigma, there's fear. And mm. that's where a lot of that fear comes from, from the mm. stories that we hear, that it's an unknown place you're being taken into. So yeah. how do I then trust these people with my issues? Yeah. I'd rather deal with it at home. And another issue as well, which um, I think causes a lot of problems, especially within the African um, side of things, is w it's our spirituality. So a, a, a large chunk of us, are we, we, we're part of some faith or the other. Yeah. And what we tend to do is when there is an issue, we always tend to leave it in the hands of God mm -hmm. instead of dealing with the medical issue at hand. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that we need to look mm -hmm. at culturally as well. Mm -hmm. So those are two two things that I can identify mm -hmm. on top of my head that causes some of these problems. Mm -hmm. One is distrust of the system, which has been proven to be against us in, in some quarters. And then the second is the, uh, is the sort of the influence of spirituality and religion and so forth. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting because I have, I mean, in my training, I remember like this this one patient a, a, ben a Bangladeshi guy mm. and he was eating with his hands mm. and a nurse came up to him and was like that's disgusting Seriously. and I was like did you want a fork or do you want to just eat it like that and he was like I always eat my dinner this way and yeah. I was like <laughs> you know like yeah. point made and I was yeah. like horrified <laughs> that 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 had happened yeah. so you know unfortunately it you know those things do happen and yeah. it's it's not okay mm. in any way um but i think why does that happen i mean that person didn't understand that Lack nurse didn't understand yeah. they didn't know what was get you know they didn't know they've got in their mind they've got a job to do you know yeah. this all these patients are really unwell largely psychotic mm. so you know you're expecting strange behaviors yeah. that was seen as a strange behavior i mean i wouldn't say that's disgusting to mm. a patient i don't think that's helpful but you know in that scenario that's what has happened but i think that um I think that we just, in a way, when we're so afraid to talk about things, mm -hmm. it it can only get worse. Yeah. And I think we're afraid to have conversations, but why are we afraid to have conversations? Because it's only a conversation and the only thing that we can gain from a conversation is more understanding. Yeah, most definitely. But I think 
I think we're afraid to have difficult conversations. Mm. You know, part of my training as a mental health nurse was how do you have difficult conversations? Mm. Like, how do you go beyond the point where it's uncomfortable yeah. and keep mm. going? How do you because do that? that's <laughs> where you need to go. Yeah. But yeah. I remember my tutor said something that will always stay in my mind. Like, if you have an ache or a pain, say a doctor's feeling your tummy, right, mm. and you have an, a pain, mm. When the doctor gets to the point where he's pushing your tummy or she's pushing your tummy and you go, oh, that's where it hurts. They don't go, oh, sorry, okay, all right, I'll leave it now. Mm. They push harder because they want to know why it hurts and they say, I'm really sorry this hurts, but I need to just push and does it still hurt here and does it still mm. hurt here? And you're like, yeah, I'm in absolute agony, get off me. And they're <laughs> yeah. like, you know, and that's what that's what we do as, as mental health professionals. We go, okay, that seems to be causing a lot of pain. So I'm going to push and I'm going to say, mm. I know it really hurts, but I need to know why. You need mm. to know why. We need to know what's going on. And I think, I think we're really afraid of doing that. And I mm. think, you know, you know, maybe that's why stigmas come up because yeah. the less we talk about it, the harder it is to talk about and the mm. scarier it seems. Yeah. And I feel like I've actually just not spoken about your point because your point was about spirituality and about... No, it, it, and was, I touching, haven't, it was touching you know, both because I, I was just highlighting... I've come up with my own little <laughs> no, thing to say. That no, I completely appreciate that, but I was just touching on two things that I've noticed that causes the issue or, or, or causes there to be a taboo in regards mm. to like us approaching for help. I guess the same thing still applies because, like, you you still it still needs to be talked about, doesn't mm. it? And yeah, say, definitely. you know, say you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, I'm going through this, but I feel like my parents would think, I don't want to talk about that because, you know, we should go to God to mm. for that, or we don't want to get down the line where you have to go to hospital and then you know you could be treated away. It mm. still needs to be talked about, you know. Yeah. It still needs to be talked about and. You know, maybe my point wasn't as irrelevant as I thought it was, because actually... No, definitely, yeah. The dialogue is important. Yeah, yeah. and we are afraid of having conversations. Yeah. It's like when you sat down and you were like, how are you? No, how are you? How are mm. you? Whatever it was I that you said. I kept on asking, how are you? For like 10 times yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, you're someone that can do that, but... You know, we're afraid to do that, I think. We don't feel comfortable doing that. I think... Like, we're worried about what effect we could have or we might say the wrong thing or, like... Yeah. But actually, you know... That, that is one of my biggest... Well, it's not one of my biggest fears, but currently, that's that's one of the things that's really bugging me and that's our fear to speak out. Because mm. at the moment, there's so many trigger points for absolutely everything. PC culture is just driving everyone nuts. Mm. Like, it's driving yeah. me up the wall. Yeah. But th this is how I see conversation is conversation needs to be allowed as long as there's no insight yeah. or violence yeah. out, out and outright racism. Because I feel like if you've got a different view to me, we need to hear your side of the argument. If mm. I've got a different view to you, mm. we need to hear my side of the argument. Because mm -hmm. one, we're two completely different people. Mm. We come from completely different backgrounds. We're raised completely, completely different. But we need, to co we need to coexist in a world where we can treat each other fairly and have a fair understanding of each other's cultures. Yeah. So at least we don't go around killing and hurting each other. Yeah. But in order for us to do this, we need to have the conversations. Like, mm. you need to be able to ask me why my hair is the way it is. 
why my skin is the way it is. Why is your hair the way it is? Why is your eyes the way it is? Obviously, I'm just being lighthearted about it, but there's deeper conversations that need mm-hmm. to be had in order, in order for us to be able to coexist. I feel like it's happening right now. There's, there's a bit of an imbalance because at the moment, there's a bit of a revolution online where there's a lot of political talk. There's a lot of discussion on sex, race, genders, and all mm-hmm. sorts. Everything's being thrown up in the air at the moment. And then you've got the police, the PC police, yeah, that are completely trying to shut that down. Yeah, but and it's a it's a termination of communication, isn't it? Like it's definitely. saying like, oh, you can't use that word. Yeah, but then at the same time, it's like w- w- like those conversations need to be had because if you have a particular viewpoint that then, also if you come from a particular culture or a particular environment that allows you to use particular words that might not necessarily be right, I need to know that in order for me to have a conversation and rectify yeah. you on it. Yeah. You see what I mean? Especially yeah. if it affects me as an individual. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? We need to mm-hmm. understand each other. But if there's too many laws and too many boundaries, mm-hmm. everything gets kind of swept under the carpet. Mm-hmm. But then the, the issue at hand hasn't been dealt with. You mm-hmm. might still carry those prejudices. You might still carry whatever is views about me. And I might still carry mm-hmm. whatever views I have about you. But because I'm not allowed to speak about it and we can't communicate, yeah. it's two human beings to then have our views mm-hmm. judged by either each other or by others, mm. we're unable to have that conversation. So yeah. I think mental health, and in particular, I would say mental health in relations to like my community, the black community in particular, it's a conversation that we need to bang on about because mm-hmm. we're, we're the ones suffering from it the most. Yeah. I know the stats say we're like 17% more likely to suffer from it and so forth, but I reckon that's a bit... I, I reckon it might, the stats might be slightly different. It's just that we don't report it as much as most yeah. cases. And by the time... Yeah, no, it is it, it is known to me in my profession that, mm. you know, black males especially yeah. are more more vulnerable yeah. to mental health. Yeah. And mental what's the illness. reason from your from your line of work? What, what, what would be the reason why we tend to suffer? <laughs> I can only... Isn't it like 17% more likely? I don't know an exact statistic that I would be confident to put my name to (laughs) my face to (laughs) but um i'll put my neck on the line i'll say 17 percent. yeah i don't know we should find out actually Mm. because the the documentation is out there like i've read this stuff you know i've studied it Mm. um but um i guess you know it's there is a there's a massive socioeconomic factor to mental illness Mm. in the sense of you know if you're if you're living in a place where you have all these resources mm. and you know you you have good social interactions and you know you're much you're much better prepared mm-hmm. to kind of overcome yeah. small things that if not overcome may become bigger mm. and you know but i don't think that's the reason i just think you know that is a part of it yeah um, the, the, uh, yeah, there's so many factors. It's hard to really pinpoint one particular reason. There's never really going to be just one reason as to why mm. black men in particular. Are, but um, yeah, l- l- I mean, some of the um, some of the documentation and research would say trauma, um, yeah, long-term trauma, um, um, continuous prejudice against the black man. And there's there's so many things and so many burdens mm. that the black man carries yeah. that can potentially play a part in it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, socioeconomical is a big one. Yeah. Socio, because wh- where there's opportunity, people flourish. Mm-hmm. And where opportunity is created, people flourish mm-hmm. as well. And and where people flourish, they live a better life, mm-hmm. they live a more fruitful life, a more mm-hmm. meaningful life with more purpose, yeah. which then leads to better mental health state. Because yeah, a- as we know, like I mean physical and having a purpose and and something that you can drive for something that gets you up at um, mm. in the morning it all plays a part to having a healthy mental state yeah so where they lack that opportunity that must play such a major mm. part 
and all the other v- various social stigmas that's attached to being black yeah. particularly a black man. Yeah, because stigma yeah. as well. Because also, like, you know, had I not... I'm telling you about that conversation I had that led to me going to get antidepressants. Um, had I not been able to have that conversation, had, had that openness not been allowed to happen... Mm. Where would I be? I don't know. You know, if that, if that had just been buried yeah. somewhere, you know, if if it had been, you know, my mum raised me Christian as well. If she'd have mm. said, we just take it to God and that's it, mm. you know, maybe my faith would have been strong enough to carry me through that, but maybe it wouldn't have done. Mm. And, and then would that, if that had then become a, a stigma, where would I be? Like, yeah. you know, would I be functional? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So... It's a massive. I think, I think that in itself can drive someone into um, bad health, bad mental health, uh, bad mental state. Not not having an outlet. Yeah. I think not having an outlet is one of the probably the worst mm. things. It's like being trapped inside your own prison. Like you're struggling mentally, yeah. but you just yeah. don't have an outlet, or or your your environment is not allowing you to mm-hmm. be an outlet onto yourself. So it's yeah, like and that's trapped. really damaging. Most definitely, yeah. that's that, really that a damaging thing. Yeah. I mean, I myself, I'm someone that knows how it feels to not want to tell anyone or mm. feel like I can't tell anyone. Mm. Um, but like, in a, you know, in a different way. I mean, I've just spoken about the mm. fact that I was able to be open with my family, which is, you know, a massive thing. Mm. Um, but it just, you know, like socially, mm. like, for example, talking about, you know, last year or whatever it was that I was yeah. r- in bed for ages and my friend said to me, like, you're always ill. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't say to her, like, I've known this girl for 10 years. I couldn't say to her, I don't want to get out of bed because I just, mm. I don't know how. Like, yeah. my mental state is such that I can't move. Yeah. By going to the shower feels like it's so impossible. Yeah. I couldn't say that to her. I had to say, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, it, it must be the weather. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But, you yeah. know, like. But when it comes to mat- matters of um the, the mind do you find it easier discussing it with people that you know or strangers because the, the reason why i'm asking is I, I recently read an article which talked about i don't know i forgot what it's called but it was like the train the train journey theory or something i forgot it was named something along it the wasn't train. the time title model was it I, I, I forgot what it was I okay but but what this article was saying is that um um, that the sometimes you can have a conversation with a stranger on a train for an hour oh. that, that that gives you an outlet and mm. more relief than speaking to mm. someone you've known your whole life. Simply yeah. because you're I not able to be completely free when it comes to deep personal matters with people that you know and people that might potentially yeah. judge you. Yeah. yeah. I think um I think I've just I've also just changed my position. Is the mic gonna be okay? No, no, it's cool. My legs are getting um, I think the difference is that when you have an emo- and maybe in my I have found it easier to speak to mm. professionals people that okay. don't know me on a personal level. Mm. I've only I'm only just becoming someone that opens up to my close friends mm. and family how I truly feel about things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only like a few months ago, like my mum said to me, like you don't tell me things, mm. and um i like even remember like you texted me like a few Mm. months ago and you were like rach what's up like i haven't heard from you for ages and Mm. i've just i don't know what i replied but i was like i just can't i can't talk to you like i can't and you were just like oh come back when you're ready which Mm. was the best thing for you to do in that in that Mm. point but i just i'm not someone that 
has found it easy to say to someone that cares about me, I'm really not okay. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of, I think it's it's almost guilt. Like, mm. You don't want a person to carry your burden. Basically. Yeah, I don't mm. want to put that on you. Like, you've asked me if, if I'm okay. Well, I'm not. And if mm. I tell you the truth that I'm like really, really not okay, mm. that's not fair on you. Like, you shouldn't have to deal with that. Like, mm. You know, even like my best friend, my closest friend, you know, she she took me to hospital once. So I was really struggling with anxiety. Like it was mm. quite serious um, physical effects of anxiety. And I just, even then I just couldn't. Sh and she just sat there the whole night with me by my side. And I couldn't, mm. I couldn't tell her how I, f I couldn't, yeah. you know. And I think, but then if I'm put in front of, you know, there was a nurse that like right the next night he rang me and I told him everything you know <laughs> like I just, story, yeah, and, just and I didn't out, yeah, yeah and I yeah. didn't tell Sophie any of that mm. stuff she didn't know mm. any of that stuff but mm. she was there with me the whole time but I couldn't tell her and I couldn't tell my mum and I couldn't you know mm. and yeah I think it's about that isn't it it's about how can I like put this burden on you like mm. um which is interesting because then if some if one of my friends came to me and said I'm struggling, I wouldn't feel I wouldn't yeah. feel burdened. I think that's one of the one of the things that we need to sort of like eradicate as well is that fear of putting burden on people. I understand mm. like you don't necessarily have to put all your issues on them and expect them to cure you. But yeah. it's just good to discuss things. And it's yeah. good to not be afraid to hold back from your friends. Yeah. So, like, it, and that's why I always say it's really important in in relations to who you who you surround yourself with. That's one of the pointers I was giving in relations to why how I keep my energy up. So, with, within my friend group, for instance, there is nothing I can't say to them. You know, what I mean, there's stuff I say to them on a day to day basis that I can't approach my family mm. with, and that keeps me sane because yeah. regardless of how I feel, regardless of what spectrum of the emotional balance I'm on. I can always approach my friends with it. I can just m send a message to the group and be like, guys, I'm down and out. And mm -hmm. the rest of them do it as well. We all do mm -hmm. it. Like, guys, this is what's happening. It's so forth and so forth. And each one of them is always willing to support mm. where they can. And that's, that's gold dust. Yeah, yeah. And support doesn't necessarily mean coming there and giving you like a Martin Luther King speech. They can just come exactly. and be like, yo, let's go and grab a burger or something. Let's yeah. go grab something to eat. Or what are you doing? Let's just chill. Like, what's up in that? And that alone is a major outlet. So mm. as friendship groups, we should realize the importance of being as uh, be, being available mm -hmm. and and being the type of individual where if someone is in dire need, they can just approach you with it yeah. like, without feeling like they're burdening you. Yeah. Cause I think this sense of burden comes with feeling that you have to do something to solve it. Yeah, I think that's what people need to realise. They don't yeah. have to necessarily come and solve it because no. none of them are medically trained. And yeah. that's why whenever anyone is down, I don't try and give them no moral high ground speech and be like, yeah, you're out of it. You're going to wake up tomorrow. You're going to be great. Like, But my training, my professional work mm. is largely based on just using my like human intuition. You yeah. know, I, those professional skills intertwined with that, but they're about talking. They're mm. about relating. Yeah. You know, my profession is based on relating to a human being mm. that's that's what it is yeah. you know there are skills that come with that and mm. there's certain evidence-based ways to you know encourage people to think or whatever but mm. but it is essentially it's talking to a human being mm. that's my that's my yeah. skill set you know and so i think 
let's not mystify it. Let's not put it up here as something like, you know, oh, you know, this big thing that mm. the, the treatment for anxiety and depression is talking therapy. That's yeah. what the NHS provide. So, mm. you know, it's talking to a professional and they will, you know, they might employ certain things like CBT and things like that, which are structured kind of evidence-based therapies. But essentially, it's talking. That's mm. the treatment. The yeah. treatment is talking to a human being yeah. about how you feel. Yeah. That is how you get better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? It's, it's, it's actually quite simple when you put in that context. Yeah. Because that's what it is, is communication. Yeah. But then sometimes we feel so isolated within ourselves that we feel we don't have that circle to communicate with when we might end up having like thousands of friends on Facebook and, and mm. social media and so forth, but that connection is not there. Because um, I read an interesting um, article as well. It was, it was a stats-based article that was showing that um, like our grandparents' generation, so like 60 years ago, um, people that suffered from mental health issues and depression and so forth were way older than we are now. I think they used to be in their like late fifties. Um, I'm mm -hmm. I'm not sure exactly the age group, but now we're we're suffering at a younger age. Mm. It's like in our twenties. Like, well, maybe we're know. just noticing it. Maybe mm. we're just noticing it. Yeah. Because maybe we don't. You know, like I think think about the young people that I work with. I mean, in in I was going to say in the olden days. Who even <laughs> says that? When like, even was like the olden old days? <laughs> what am I even saying? But like for example, like when my <laughs> dad was growing up. Mm. You know, these young people that I'm now working with mm. and we acknowledge that they have complex problems, mm. back then they would have just been naughty or yeah. like a pain in the ass or like, mm. you know, from a bad family and that would have been it and that's your lot, mm. like, you know. And so, so the diagnosis have been, have, been, have been improved, basically. Yeah, maybe we're mm. just better at actually noticing and at, at looking and saying, okay, no, like you're actually really struggling with mm. some really complex things that any human being mm. put on this earth and given that lot to deal with would mm. be struggling with. Yeah. But but you think some of the cures are beneficial because especially the me the medical ones, the um cuz what I tend to find when I'm reading about like mental health is that you you have side effects having mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And then you're given medication that gives you a different set of side mm -hmm. effects. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's sort of like an endless circle. And when you come off that medication, you're on a completely different wave after that. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's like, what is it? What is the issue? And are these medications worth the taking in the first place? Or should From we find better solutions to it? Mm, yeah. From a personal and from a professional viewpoint, mm. I feel the same way. Mm. I feel, I mean, obviously my my area of work I don't work with like organic psychosis and mm. that's kind of a bit of a different thing mm. um psychotic il illnesses like schizophrenia and bipolar there's definitely points at which it's advantageous mm. to have medication and in depression as well like you know it's not I'm not it's not as a blanket rule not the solution mm. it's it's definitely not that simple there are roles for medication mm. in the treatment of mental illnesses, but I think those roles are very much secondary or very much what they do is pave the way for solving the problems yeah. in a different way. 
and acknowledging that actually the way you do get better and move on is understanding what's happening now that's more complex in in, a, in an organic kind of psychotic illness mm. um and it's important to say that um but definitely in your kind of you know depression and anxiety and um I don't know, like eating disorders, PTSD, you know, anxiety and mood-based problems. Mm. Our psyche, our mind is saying, it's like an alert, it's like a notification, like something's not okay, like, mm. and you can address that and that can get changed. And I don't believe that had I, I don't, you know, I was on antidepressants for 10 years. Okay, maybe they helped me in my lowest points they mm. they helped me to get back to my motivation like that you know they raised the amount of serotonin that was available yeah. in my brain which played a role in in helping my motivation to increase but they didn't help me to address the reasons for why I would feel so sad yeah. they didn't help me to understand why I had panic attacks yeah. you know and, and that's my issue with the with the medication side of things because it's not addressing the issue. We're not solving the deep exactly. issue, the problem. Exactly. We're just taking medication or subdue mm. whatever it is yeah. that you're feeling at that particular time. And, and in young in young people that I work with, we don't. It's it's very not a last resort, but it's definitely not on our minds to give them psychotropic medication mm. when they come through the door. It, it's on our minds to 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 pick it apart you know why are you feeling this what has happened in your life mm -hmm. like what's your parents perception of it like what you know to build up a story and then we see you know behaviorally and environmentally yeah. and so that works for children so why would that you know what age do you get to where that's no longer the case mm. do you know what i'm getting at like yeah. is it on your 18th birthday yeah. suddenly all your problems are now <laughs> you know biological like it's like we prevent ODing the kids on the medication, but when you reach an adult stage, like here you go. Like, yeah, this it's easier, isn't it, easier to say to here you yeah. go. Yeah. And you know, GPs are prescribing these medications. They're not um, psychiatrists. Mm. You know, they're they're GPs, yeah. so they wouldn't be giving you chemo if you if you went there, yeah. you know, and said I think I've got cancer. They wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be like, oh, yeah. okay, just in case you have, I'm going to give you this chemo yeah. over the counter. Just hand in this slip at Boots and get your chemo and just. You know, yeah. so of course it's not that straightforward yeah, to compare yeah. it, but <laughs> in the sense of mm. you know, that's kind of become quite an easy solution. Yeah. But is it a solution properly? It's not really a solution. It wasn't such, for me. It? it wasn't yeah. for me. You know, I'm happy. I'm happy than I've ever. F I'm, I feel more confident in my ability to keep myself well now that I'm not taking antidepressants. So, so what do you do, like, just to? conclude like what is the general well-being practices that you're doing at the moment to keep yourself good and going um it's really an ongoing thing like it's mm. not something that you master and you get to the end and you're like i did it yeah. you know here's my certificate i'm gonna mm. be well forever like yeah. it's, a distinction it's in that, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. a real daily thing but i think key things that i practice now and come more second nature to me where they didn't before are recognizing how I feel, mm -hmm. which sounds like a really simple thing to say, but actually it's maybe not that simple. Mm. Um, 
recognize it you know in the sense of if you have a feeling like a negative emotion like mm. validate that like think about it stop mm. and think like what am I feeling here why do I feel this mm -hmm. don't just be like oh it'll go away it's fine I just need to snap out of it be kind to yourself and mm. just say all right what's going on have a think about it have a talk about it. talk with someone you know we've been mm. saying about talking like that is so essential maybe you're not at that point where you can where you can write it down instead you know until you get to that point mm. um yeah that's something I have you know daily I'm thinking like why do I feel this way um acknowledging and validating my own emotions and saying yeah this is how I feel and it's probably because of this and you know that's in itself is really helpful but then just the gen like the general basics like making my bed is such a big mm. thing like I have to make my bed if I walk into my room and it's messy I know that I'm letting something slip yeah. like that's a big trigger for you're me you're not ready to take over the world now are you yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah. conquer so your room before you conquer the world yeah, yeah so it's like you know getting out of bed being like I deserve when I've had this hard day at work I deserve to come back to a room that is comfortable and Amazing. is nice yeah. And I'm going to make sure that I do that for myself. Yeah. And then I'm going to eat properly because I also need that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to like leave on time because I deserve to turn up to work mm -hmm. and have like the headspace and the mm -hmm. clarity. You know, so it's like it would be different for each individual mm -hmm. person. Like everyone has yeah. different things, but it's about acknowledging how you feel, finding out why you feel that way, and then just routinely doing the fundamental things that you know are good for you. Um, one, one thing that I'd like to touch on just before we conclude is that, I mean, we, we've already discussed the self first, um, ensuring that you, your your home is in order or your mind state, your health, mm. your health and everything about yourself is in order. So caring for yourself before you care for others. But um, there's also another important element to it as well. And that's the ripple effect of us as human beings that every single action we take has a consequence and has an effect on someone. Like we, we tend to think that we're, we're this distant island, not knowing that every time you step out of your house, you're about to have a major impact on someone's life. So the person you come across on the street, the person you come across mm. on the bus, mm. on the train, at work, mm. however, however your interaction with that person mm. goes, it's going to play a part in how the rest of their day and the rest of their potentially mm -hmm. their life ends mm -hmm. up. So just being kind to ourselves and ensuring that we're, we're, we're kind and re responsible and, respect and, 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 and respective to others, mm -hmm has a major effect in mm -hmm. us in, in our overall well-being mm -hmm. so that's another important factor so yeah. start off with the self first and then also mm -hmm. acknowledge that you're a part of a major puzzle and a mm -hmm. major network and how you interact with others mm -hmm. has an effect on their life and your life and other people's life so the ripple effect is very real mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. although what i would say is when i'm feeling at my most well that's not a pro that's not it doesn't even cross my mind it just flows mm -hmm. like it just comes naturally yeah. And I think the same could be say, said for every single person. Mm. When you are feeling well in yourself, mm. you that's you know that flows that mm. that happens. You don't have to try, yeah. you know. Like I don't have to try and not be annoyed because the baby's screaming on the bus. I just think <laughs> yeah. it's a baby. Oh, cute. Yeah. Even like, can I go see it? Even mm. like, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whereas <laughs> when I that walk up to people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like. As opposed to, you know, on a bad day when yeah. I might be like, I could get up and like, why mm. do they even let prams on the bus? This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but when you feel like that, you know, it's because maybe, you know, what am I missing mm -hmm. that I feel that way? Yeah. Bring it.
it like that's my philosophy like bring it back to yourself mm. because it's easy when mm. you're when you're good it's easy yeah. it flows you don't have to think about it yeah. and then also it's very important to seek help so yes re- regardless of who you are what you are definitely everyone can go through everyone I mean, Absolutely. Mental, mental health affects what how many people now like so I mean everyone I mean you don't everyone, go through yeah. your life without ever getting a physical illness yeah, or without yeah. ever feeling physically under yeah. the weather and the mind takes a beating as well I mean because the mind is constantly working there's times where our bodies are rest but the mind is functioning so like let's just get rid of this taboo that there is an issue with someone who has mental problems and they should be kept um, isolated from or even that it's yeah. uh, you know I think it's a spectrum it's it's not like it's a spectrum of well-being. It's mm. like the same as physical. Okay, not everyone. Some people will never have to go to A and E in mm. their lives. Some people will never have to go and seek help for their mental health. Mm. However, mm-hmm. we all know what it feels like to wake up and think, "Oh, my back's a bit sore." Like you know, I've got a bit of a stuffy nose. Yeah. Um, it's a whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, remembering that we're all somewhere on that spectrum. And there might be people sitting there thinking, God, I've ne- I don't know how it feels to mm. feel anxious. Like one of my friends asked me the other day, what is anxiety and why don't I have it? Yeah. And I was like, interesting question. <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, you know, but then, okay, so your role, you can still make sure that you're tending to your needs well and you can still make sure that you're looking after yourself and and you can still make sure that you're contributing to the world by being someone that cares about other humans amazing amazing rach we're definitely going to continue this conversation though, yeah it's been a pleasure you got into it eventually thanks didn't for you? having me <laughs> you got into i know like at first i was a bit like oh i know i had to, i was like how am i just gonna warm her i into could it? see it in I your mean, face you were <laughs> like oh god <laughs> i was like okay let me just bring out all the tricks and trades of the of the of the book now, just to turn you into it. But yeah, yeah you I did mean, good. I appreciate. It. I mean, your I mean your your wealth of knowledge and what you had to share is amazing, and I know you got way more to. Yeah, to I could talk for hours share. on it, really, but yeah. we both we both always do this. Yeah, definitely. This is like we the just talk anyway, the whole yeah. time. And now I just decided to put a mic and camera and just start yeah, inviting exactly. everyone back into my house. Yeah, just like normally you get me like a room and like offer me <laughs> some <know>. like <laughs> rice and chicken or something. Yeah. Like you normally got like a pot on the stove i was a bit upset about that something i'm I'm just about to burn or something (laughs) but yeah it's been amazing we're definitely going to continue this another time yeah Yeah? awesome thanks for having me welcome (laughs) i just wanted to clap i have to clap for editing (laughs) i know